Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Hello, everyone. Just before we get going with today's podcast, I wanted to mention a new deal we've got for a discount on books. Each month, we're going to pick three books which James and I are recommending you read. And the good news is we've arranged for members of the independent company to get 30% off all three titles through Waterstones. First up is Greyhound, the magnificent book about a convoy being hunted by U-boats in the freezing North Atlantic. It's just been made into a movie by Tom Hanks and will be released this week. The book was written by C.S. Forrester and was originally called The Good Shepherd. James and I both read it during lockdown and absolutely loved it. You're right there inside the captain's mind. That's our joint pick. My personal selection is by a hero of mine, Spike Milligan. Spike was a soldier during the Second World War and wrote a series of brilliant and brilliantly funny books about his experience as a gunner. I'm recommending you start with the first in the series. It's called Hitler, My Part in His Downfall. I promise you'll love it. Finally, James's pick. He's gone for something timely. As we approach the anniversary of the Battle of Britain, James wanted to share with you one of his favourite books on the events of that summer. It's called Eagle Day and is written by Richard Collier. It's based on the accounts of many of the pilots involved and was written in the 1960s when their memories of the battle were still fresh. All members of the independent company will be entitled to 30% off these books and if you bought all three that would save you more than £10. Membership of the independent company costs £6 a month, so if you do fancy any or all of these books, it makes pretty good sense to join, even if it's just for a month. Anyway, if you do read any of these titles, please share your thoughts with us, and we can organise a sort of We Have Ways book club on one of our live stream shows. You can join the independent company by going to patreon.com slash wehaveways. You get free audiobooks, regular discussion posts, weekly live streams, and now cheap books. As James would say, what's not to like? Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. And it had to be achtung, achtung for this, uh, uh, this instalment um, because we are, well, we're talking about the ultimate achtung, achtung of them all. Um, Adolf Hitler. We are talking to Luke Daly Groves, who has written a fascinating book, Hitler's Death, The Case Against Conspiracy. Now, I first came across Luke because of his doughty efforts on Twitter, um, on social media, um, swatting the relentless whack-a-mole game of people going, no, dude, he's like in Argentina. Uh, Hitler's definitely still there. And, uh, and everyone knows this. Anyone, anyone, just accept the facts. Right. Um, to which, <laughs> along with all those which, people in Atlanta who stopped fighting ammunition, they all believe it. That's right. <laughs> exactly. To which, to which, Luke, you reply with a deadly straight bat. Well, if you've um, if you read my book, you'd know that this was nonsense. So, welcome, welcome to Wave Ways to Make You Talk. Thanks for joining oh, us. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Uh, and I can't it's believe it's taken us this long to talk about the death of Adolf Hitler. I mean, it's almost the kind of daddy <laughs> of subjects, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating subject, and it's a, it's always going to be of interest to historians. I think um, they, the interest is never going to go away because, in the death of Adolf Hitler, you have 
the end of the Nazi regime, um, sort of everything which symbolised that regime, it all comes to a crashing halt, and it it all sort of grinds together in the, in this one sort of momentous moment. Yeah, it's a really fascinating time in history. But what what but what is absolutely not the case is um, uh, he wasn't whisked away by Hannah Reich. <laughs> Center. <laughs> no. So, no. So although, I've, listen, I've got to be upfront about this. I've got to be upfront about this. Okay, yeah. I was in a show called Hunting <laughs> Hitler, and and the whole time I was in that. And uh, and it was on. Uh, I was I was on on social media lockdown. I wasn't allowed to comment on the show at all. So I just had to keep my my mouth shut. It was very very painful. Anyway, I just want to put absolutely clear that um, it was a huge amount of fun to do because I got to travel in lots of places, got paid handsomely, saw lots of things, got choppered into Caltenbrun, uh, you know, in a helicopter onto Caltenbrunner's hut near Altazay. What's not to like, frankly. Um, uh, and I did it on the absolute strict condition that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, had to suggest or even say that either Martin Bormann or Hitler survived the bunkers and, and Berlin at the end of the war. And that was the condition where I did it. I mean, clearly, any idea that Hitler survived is just absolute bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I've said my piece. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually really helpful. It, it's really helpful to me on Twitter when when some people will say, "Ah, but you know James Holland," and then you'll just come out and say, "Well, no, he died 30th of April 1945. This is a fact." And 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 then they still go, "Ah, well, yes, but uh, whatever." You know, and it doesn't convince them anyway. They just they just carry on. But it's... <laughs> and then I and then I say, "I'm afraid, yeah, well, I've got to put bread on the table. I've got to earn a living, mate." Yeah. You know. Well, no, it's it's fantastic because that's because, my because, default. because well, what that's enabled to happen is that you've done lots of brilliant history work you know outside outside of that it's enabled these these fantastic projects that you've got going now like like this one you know we have ways of making you talk uh chalk valley history first you know normandy 44 that you've just put out which is brilliant you know um well, no, it's, it's, that, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Is, is that, um, you know, to get the good history out there, you know, hunting Hitler was going to happen anyway, uh, whether, whether, whether you were on it or not. And so uh, why not use it to, to get something good out there for, for some good proper history as well, which is what you've done. So brilliant. Well, it was it was really funny. And there were, there were some hilarious people on there. Was, there were guys who were kind of sort of ex, you know, <laughs> security officers of the president. And, you know, you'd be in some bunker. On the coast of Denmark, which was fascinating because I'd never been to kind of seen any German um, parts of the Atlantic Wall in Denmark before. So it was great to be there. And the guy was going, you know what, Jim, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing this is the kind of place I'd want to hide a high ranking Nazi official. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. It was great. Really good. It's, a, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Hannah Reich right there at the start because I, I think her story on its own is, is just a, a fascinating thing. Just, just her story about the last days of Hitler and, and what she does in, in the bunker. Obviously, um, you know this, but you, I don't know if your your listeners will know. But she she flies a is it is a Fiesler Stork or Stork um, yeah. light aircraft. She flies that onto the. Um, the, the, what's called the east-west axis at that time, which is it's made into a temporary runway between the Victory Column and the, and the Brandenburg Gate. And she manages to land this under heavy Russian fire. She gets hit. They actually get a direct hit. And um, uh, Von Graham, who's, who's, who's on his way to the bunkers to take um, control of the Luftwaffe, he's injured in, the, in this flight. So she sort of almost crash lands it. But it's amazing sort of feat that she manages to do it at that late stage in April 45, as the Battle of Berlin is, is, is sort of raging. It's completely under siege, the city. And um, she goes to, to the bunker and uh, she meets Hitler and, um, you know, she, she, she makes her own sort of observations on the bunker. And um, 
the conspiracy theorists have sort of used her account, uh, just even even her account on its own, because after the war, what what she says is that Hugh Trevor Roper, who's the guy, the British intelligence officer at the time, but also the famous historian now, he's um, appointed to investigate Hitler's last days, and he uses an account from Hannah Reich in his book, and then Reich comes out later and says, well, Trevor Roper never spoke to me. I don't know what that account is, sort of thing. And um, Trevor Roper turns around and just says, well, actually, you never spoke to me, but you spoke to an American interrogator whose questions were, were my questions I submitted as a sort of brief to you. And um, he says the reason that she's sort of distancing herself from this account is her closeness to Hitler, which is sort of emphasised in her initial interrogation after the war, is something that she doesn't want to, to be associated with more after the war. It hinders her attempts at employment and this sort of thing. But of course, conspiracy theorists, they'll just say, oh, Hannah Wright says she's never spoke to Hugh Trevor Roper. She's distanced herself from this account. And they'll just completely get rid of the context around you know, the, that account. So in a very sort of micro, uh, microscopic way, you know, that's just illustrative of the entire sort of Hitler case. So like you're saying, you, you, it's all it takes is a tiny thing in a, in a piece of testimony that's completely explicable if actually you've looked at, looked at the stuff properly. And, and it gets pounced on and turned into, see, he escaped. Because even that, even Hannah, even her saying, well, I, you know, I didn't know Hitler as well as you say I did. Or that interrogation wasn't with the guy who, who, you know, who says he did the interrogation. That doesn't that doesn't not put the pistol in Hitler's hand at all, does it? Uh, 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 and, and and this is how these cases are built, aren't they? I, I, I read the book and I, I mean, I and I was absolutely fascinated by it because a big part of the, the stuff that drives the idea that um, Hitler was still was still around, was still alive, didn't kill himself comes from the fact that the secret services in both the British and the American um, establishments were very keen on making sure he was dead. And so would follow up absolutely every single claim and counterclaim because they wanted to make bloody well sure he was dead. And now that's picked on as them going, they didn't really know he was dead, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's what's happened. But the brilliant thing about looking at those files is that when they're investigating all of these rumours, they say themselves why they're doing it. So they say at the start of these investigations um, in, the, in the 1940s, British intelligence on the ground in Germany, if they want to communicate with the Americans who were looking into this rumour that, that Hitler may have escaped, they literally say, and I, and I print this in the book, they say we, have we attach no undue sort of importance to the idea that Hitler escaped. We want to know more why people are spreading these rumours. Um, perhaps other Nazis have escaped on the same methods that they're saying that Hitler may have escaped. They, they come out and say, you know, we don't think Hitler has survived, but it's still it's still important for us to investigate these rumours. Luke, also what they do, they, I mean, the other thing about those those things is it's also the danger of cherry picking the choice one liners. Yeah. Because, you know, what, what, what you see on, on shows or in conspiracy theory books is, is the line that says, you know, we've heard that Adolf Hitler has been, you know, found spotted in, you know, a town in southern Argentina, whatever it might be. What they don't then say is, we've investigated this and proved that the person who spread this rumour is a lunatic <laughs> yes. and has only recently escaped from the nearby <laughs> asylum. Or, or worse or, or, that, or that we've done this or, and, and proved that this absolutely categorically cannot be the case. At all. <laughs> or, or is, or is peddling the stories peddling the stories for money which is the other yeah. thing that's going yes. on isn't it spiritualist prophets seem to be a sort of common reoccurring one like the main argentina rumor that the fbi investigate it turns out to be spread by a 90 something year old spiritualist prophet and then like jay Hoover, the head of the fbi actually says this is a spiritualist prophet i don't know why spiritualist prophets are saying that hitler escaped to argentina <laughs> but the, there you go you know that 
that was a, a commonly recurring sort of motive for it. They got to earn a living. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but 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 like Al says, you know, money money making is another one. You know, the, the, there's loads of journalists, magazine authors, newspaper writers that that were saying this stuff. Um, you know, they've got to earn a living as well. There's all yeah. There's all sorts of weird and and, and also sinister motives as well, though, which which I go into the book as well um, as to why people were claiming that 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 Hitler escaped. Um, but the fact that you can fill a whole book with these sort of accounts is is fascinating in itself, I, I think. Absolutely. But but it's also to do with fake news spread by the Soviets, isn't it? Yeah, so so it really kicks off with, with Stalin's claim um, to, to Harry Hopkins and, and also at the Potsdam Conference uh, that Hitler may have escaped. And he even says, you know, he could be in Spain or Argentina. And this is this has actually puzzled historians, you know, because we don't have any sort of document which says this is why Stalin did this. So, so we've had to sort of interpret in the context of the time why Stalin might have, might have said these things. And um, of course, all the evidence suggests that Hitler is dead in the bunker. Um, you know, the Soviets have have investigated it. They found all that's left of him outside of the bunker. Um, and and Stalin knows this. Stalin's aware of the investigation. So what historians have said is. Um, they've came up with the idea that he might have done it to discredit uh, Zhukov, um, who's being seen increasingly as a rival at that time. Um, and it's very, very, very shortly after Zhukov comes out, you see he sends a staff officer out in Berlin to say, we've identified Hitler's body. And the next day, um, because he hears of what Stalin is saying about Hitler, he has to come out and retract that and say, no, we, we haven't found Hitler's body. And it's a sort of a, a humiliation for Zhukov. Um, and then there's the idea that the keeping sort of Hitler as a common enemy may have strengthened Soviet claims for territory because the territorial disputes were still sort of going on with the Allied armies at this time. Um, and then there was the, the idea that he was paranoid, so maybe he actually did believe it. Uh, but I don't, I don't seem to, to sort of buy into that. I, I come up with a reason of my own in the book, which is that he was unhappy with the quality of the initial Soviet investigations at the Führer bunker, and because he was sort of embarrassed about this, he didn't want to share evidence with the with the Allies, and so he's decided to sort of sort of throw them off the trace so that he wouldn't have to share evidence with the Allies. Because they they did the the, the initial investigation again is one of the sources of it's botched, yeah. isn't it? It's one yeah. of the sources of of if you're if if. If saying Hitler didn't kill himself, the Führer bunker is your bag. That you go to the Russian investigation and yeah. and you can start there. There's a kind of enough there, isn't there? Yeah, and it's like what you said before, though, about the the, the sort of evidence that the conspiracy theorists convey. There's a disconnect between the conclusions which they jump to and then the evidence that they have. So they like to say um, the fact that in 2009 there was DNA tests done on a, a skull fragment which they found outside the Führer bunker with a bullet hole in it. You can see pictures of this on, on Google, on the internet, if you just Google sort of Hitler skull. Um, the, the, they DNA tested that in, in 2009 at American University, and um, apparently it came back, it showed that it was a female skull, so it can't be Adolf Hitler's skull. And, um, you know, the conspiracy theorists say, ah, so then Hitler escaped. Well, well not really. All, the, all this shows is that, um, you know, the NKVD picked up another skull from the Reich Chancery Garden. It wasn't Hitler's skull. But then it's not unusual that there was lots of bodies in the Reich Chancery Garden. It was shelled to bits. And if you look at um, the, the testimonies after the war, particularly Arthur Axman, head of the Hitler Youth, you know, he says there were several bodies in the, in, in the Führer Bunker Garden. So it could easily be one of those. Um, again, that's that's speculation, but it's it's not to say it, it's it's not appropriate evidence to say that Hitler escaped the Führer bunker. Now, moving on to the sort of the, the initial Soviet investigations, which were conducted by James Bond's arch nemesis Smirsch, you know, death to spies. So yeah, um, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Smirsch agency. Yeah. Um, 
these initial <laughs> investigations, um, they're quite farcical, actually. And you, you could make, if, if the context wasn't so serious, you could make a really good farcical sketch about it, really. Because what happens is... Um, Amanda Unichin needs to write a film about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the first people to enter the Führer Bunker are, 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 are a group of women. Um, I think they're Red Army Medical Corps. And um, they don't establish the perimeter. They don't. They don't. You know, set up the sort of me- mechanisms for for serious interrogation. They go straight to Ava Brown's private quarters or Ava Hitler at that time, I guess we should say. And they steal her lingerie, and then they just walk out with her lingerie. And then on the way out, they, they bump <laughs> it. That, that, that's what happens. Of course, this isn't in the official Soviet count. But on the way out, they bump into the actual Smirch team that that came to investigate what happened to Hitler. And now this team. Um, it proceeds to to ident- misidentify at least one body as being Hitler, which clearly isn't Adolf Hitler. Which you can you can see photographs. And they do that on they do that on the second of second. They do that earlier, don't they? It's like like the fifth. It's very of May early. Yeah, yeah. It's it's early on in May. Yeah, um, fourth or fifth of May, something like that. It's around that time. Yeah, and um, the, there's photographs of this corpse, or at least one of them, because I, the, the, there was a couple of stories. One is that they pulled it out of a water tank, which is you can see in front of the Führer bunker. Another is that they found it um, somewhere in the Reich's Chancery. Um, so there's at least one body that they misidentified. And you can see pictures of this on again on Google. It's a poor chap's got a bullet hole in the top of his head, and they've put a picture of Hitler next to him. He just has a Hitler mustache, you know. Um, but they they eventually discover this isn't Hitler, and and what happens is they they've actually dug up two really badly charred corpses in front of the, 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 the exit of the bunker. And they've reburied them because they thought, you know, we've already got Hitler in the, in the chancery. We don't need to dig these up. And then they go, when they realise that it's, it, you know, the, the corpses isn't Hitler that they've got, they, they go back and they have to re-exhume, you know, um, Adolf and Eva. And so, again, that's that's quite embarrassing, right, right from the outset. You, you've got these two sort of... Um, Events which which are not wouldn't really reflect well on on the capabilities of of Soviet investigators. Um, I I think they actually they pull Hitler's corpse up by his leg and it's the, the way they stumble over the corpse in it, which has been buried is is quite amusing when you read the Soviet files as well. I think um, the, the the officer shouts over and goes, "Hey, look, there are legs here!" And he goes, "Get out of that crater! There's a bazooka!" You know, and it's it is it is sort of farcic, <laughs> farcical in that way. Yeah, and then they just sort of pull him up. But but Luke, one of the one of the issues is is that if you if you set someone on fire with with yeah. petrol, what that will do that will that will burn your clothes and and your skin and Make you look like um, you know blackened and, and and crinkled and all the rest of it, but but the point is, I mean, the reason why you have crematoria is because because petrol doesn't burn to a high enough degree to destroy a body, yeah. so you've got this sort of you've got these mounds of charred, you know, I mean, all the bones are going to be there, aren't they? I mean, we're we're still bits of sort of charred flesh on the stuff, so you, you know, the idea that you can't identify bodies from 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 those from, from burnt remains burnt by fuel. He's just ludicrous, isn't it? Of course you can. Yeah, and, and what they do is is they get um the, the the crucial piece of evidence that they get from this this mess which is left of Hitler is his jaw and teeth. And they and they and they have this jaw and teeth yeah. um identified initially by his, his dental assistant and then by his dental technician. And um, because Hitler had a sweet tooth, he had really bad teeth, which makes his teeth really unique, which makes them really good for forensic analysis. And yeah. um, he had really unique bridges, and obviously this this dental assistant, dental technician, 
they'd worked on Hitler's teeth, so they they knew this this sort of unique dental work that he had. And what the Soviets do very cleverly when they interrogate um, these individuals is they ask them first to describe Hitler's teeth um, before showing them the evidence, so that they know that they're not just misidentifying him. So they go, you know, tell me about Hitler's teeth, and 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 Kathy Hausman, she says, oh well, he had this really unique bridge, you know, it's shaped like a telephone sort of thing. And um, then they present Hitler's teeth and they go, what are these? And she says, well, categorically, they're Hitler's teeth. And um, since the Soviets have been more open with their files over the years, several forensic scientists have been able to analyse the evidence in the Soviet archives, American archives, British archives. And, and um, you know, the conclusion in, in all the, the key journals, most re- recently 2018, is that, you know, these are Hitler's remains. These are Adolf Hitler's teeth. Um, There's no doubt about it at all, is there? No. Yeah, I, he didn't, I, I mean, he, he didn't go to... He didn't go to Argentina to suck soup through a straw. Did he? I mean, he... Well, for me, this is the but this is the biggest thing that that actually works against the conspiracy theories is is you know Hitler was such a black and white kind of guy. You know, there was no grey area with him at all. You know, it, it was the Thousand Year Reich or it was Armageddon. The idea that that Hitler, who is not in good health, is going to just sort of quietly disappear to South Africa or Tangiers or something. It's just ludicrous because it's you know he's an all or nothing kind of guy you know yeah. it, it, of course he's going to commit suicide well and when, and as, when Armageddon has, has reached I mean it's and just as, completely obvious and has talked about suicide with his confidence repeatedly um, insists on and it his from, body has been witnessed by large numbers of people in the bunker well and insists in you know is that when von Paulus doesn't kill himself in Stalingrad is outraged because that's how you ought to go down. You know, um, there's a suicide epidemic happening in Germany um, that, that before Hitler kills himself, and 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 that's people that's people who've been on the receiving end of his messaging and his philosophy. They they decide well the thing that's required, you know, famously working towards the Führer that, that, as that idea. They do they do what they think he wants them to do and kill themselves. And so so the idea that he wouldn't have done that. Also, I mean, I think the other thing that you, you've got to consider is how well did Himmler's escape go. You know, you're 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 talking about very well known, super recognisable people. Uh, he could have picked no a better name just... than than hit singer, though, couldn't he? That was <laughs> that was his disguise, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, it 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 it, it, it does it. You know, um, him committing suicide is the only option, isn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, if you know anything about him. Yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned Himmler as well, because you get these sort of, like like uh, Hugh Thomas, Thomas, who writes about Himmler's death, and he thinks that's a conspiracy, as well as Hitler's death, as well as Hess's death. And you get them that they just go on about all the deaths of the Nazis as if they're conspiracies. Um, you, yeah, you're right to mention that, that it was at the core of sort of Hitler's ideas that if you're defeated in battle, then you commit suicide. That's what you do. And um, he explains this in his last will and testament, which he which he signs in the bunker and his signature on these extraordinary documents. And I, I'd recommend your listeners to sort of yeah, I think you can get them on Wikipedia, even just to read an English translation um, of, of these of Hitler's last will and testament. And um, he says in it, that, you know, that his wife and him choose to commit suicide to escape the shame of overthrow or capitulation and that he wants his body to be burned in the place where he's done most of his life's work. And that's exactly what happens. And these signatures have been tested uh, by the FBI laboratory. They were tested by an MI5 handwriting expert. And they all found that they, they were authentic. And uh, same with the, the signatures on the... Yeah, and it's not, and it's not just that. It's also... They're, they're, it's witnessed yeah. by Martin Bormann, isn't it? And you can see, you know, Hitler's, Hitler's signature is just a complete little scrawl, but, it, but it's yeah. still quite distinct. Martin Bormann's is completely distinct. And you, you can actually see it. It says 
Martin Borman. And, and uh, you know, it, th- there is just no forgery about it whatsoever. I mean, it, it, it 100% is... Yeah, is and the idea that it was a part of an ally cover-up, which is which is something which uh, conspiracy theorists like to say, you know, this is part of a, an intelligence plot of, of the Western intelligence agencies, particularly the British and the Americans, who did a deal to allow Hitler to escape in exchange for sort of technology and scientists to use against the Russians in the Cold War. It's quite a popular idea. But if you look at the, um, the capturing of Hitler's wills and, and what actually goes on in Whitehall behind closed doors when they capture these documents, this isn't part of a sort of a concocted plot because they they absolutely they, they don't know what to do with these documents. These are inflammatory documents in the context of occupied Germany. Um, the, the, the British officials, uh, half of them are going, whoa, this could inspire a new wave of a sort of Nazi renaissance. You know, we need to get rid of these documents. We need to burn them. These are dangerous. This is Hitler's last message to the world. And then you have um, the intelligence chiefs, um, on the other hand, saying... Um, well, actually, no, these don't actually do Hitler any good because it just shows that, you know, he's fixated on the Jews because he has a mad raving about the Jews in his last will and testament. And, of course, he blames everything on them, as you would expect. Um, and, and it would be better for them to be published by the intelligence services rather than leaked at, at a later date. And, of course, that's what happened. But the fact that you have this dispute shows that it's not part of a cover-up. The intelligence services aren't, you know, <laughs> allowing Hitler to produce a sort of fake last will and testament while he escapes, because otherwise you wouldn't have this huge debate going on in, in London behind the scenes. Also, I mean, the, the idea that, that, that the Allies are doing deals in order to get their hands on technology, um, they're just going round Germany taking the technology they want. The, 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 what, what leverage in that situation does Hitler have to do a deal with the Allies? Well, it's... It's it's zero, isn't it? Because because after all, you know, the 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 the, the defeat, the conquest of Germany is complete is 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 the, the point. I mean, and it's also that's why Germany has fought to this point rather than I mean, we talk about this a lot on the podcast rather than in 1918. They realise they've run out of people. They've run out of money. Um, uh, they've lost the war. They, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. They're going to have to stop. Whereas, the, whereas Hit, Hitler, you know, should have realised that by 1943, certainly by the summer of 1943, it's over. Um, uh, uh, and they're not even fighting like the Japanese, who who are who are fighting on in order to bring the bring the Americans to get a better peace deal out of the Americans to exact a better deal. The Germans are just fighting on because. It's it's got a dammering. It's all or nothing. It's death or bust, literally. So the idea that there's any need to go, oh well, we won't be able to get our hands on the V2s unless we, um, unless yeah. we get Adolf's permission. Yeah, because once, once you've completely destroyed Germany, you can yeah. take what the hell you like. I mean, it's just a, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and Hitler is clearly against this this idea of a separate peace deal with the Allies. You only have to look at how he raves about what he calls Goering's betrayal in the bunker when when Goering actually very sensibly offers to take over command. Of the Third Reich, and and Hitler hits the roof. You know, he goes, "How dare Goering? You know, this morphine addict, this fat pig, trying to sort of, you know, take over my my command." Um, and then Himmler, when he when he hears that Himmler has been negotiating secretly with with Count Bernard, oh, he's, he he kind of hits the roof. You know, how dare the, the loyal, you know, Himmler um, Heinrich, you know, try and negotiate this separate peace? He doesn't want a separate peace with the Americans. He doesn't want separate deals, as you say. It's all or nothing. He wants to make a point. At this point, he knows he's, he's lost, but he thinks it's really a principled example to the future to show, look, we care so much about our Nazi ideas, but we're going to go down 100%, this is what's yeah. happening. And you're right to say about the scientists as well, because um, Schaeff, yeah. um, they're directing special technical intelligence teams in Germany long before Hitler's suicide as they're taking over these 
these German towns, and they're, they're securing these T4s that are getting signals, intelligence equipment. Um, you've got the documentary intelligence, yep. and uh, they're, they're feeding this all back to, to Schaefer. You know, there's no deal needed with Hitler to do that. Um, it's just happening anyway. Yeah, you take the scientist. It's absurd, that, that whole idea. I mean, the thing is, is actually, you know, it, it, conceptually, the, 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 the sort of pillars of, of conspiracism about this can all be, can all be uh, knocked down fairly easily, can't they? Um, uh, uh, and, and, but, and by simply knowing about what's going on, more, more often than not, because what we've done there, that that one completely falls apart by just by looking at what's actually happening. And it, it, it does seem that so much of this, so much of this way of looking at the world without, that allows Hitler to have not committed suicide in the bunker involves like just not paying attention to any of them, any of the sort of relevant no. salient facts or context at all. We're going to take a break. Just a quick one. So much to talk about with Luke here. We'll see you in a tick. Cheers. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, <laughs> or people will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways. We're talking to Luke Daly Groves about Hitler's death, the case against conspiracy. It's good stuff, this. So what does happen to Hitler uh, Hitler and Hitler's body? You know, all of them, they seem to, all the people they found, the Goebbels and Eva Braun and Hitler, they seem to take a chunk of the jaw and skull. That seems to be the kind of the modus operandi. Um, and then, Luke, you'll know more about this than me, but, but my understanding is that they then get taken to Magdeburg. And I'm not quite sure why they go to Magdeburg, but they get taken to Magdeburg and buried there. 
And then they're disinterred in 1970, aren't they, on the, on the orders of Andropov, who at the time is, I think, ahead of KGB, when they are finally incinerated and their ashes flung into a tributary of the um, of the Elba. Is that, is that, yeah. Have I got that right? That's right, yeah. And they're scattered off a bridge called Pig Bridge, I believe, as well, which is quite fitting, I think, um, <laughs> in, in 1970. Um, so, so, so why Magdeburg? Why are they disinterred? Why are they finally yeah. kind of, you know, incinerated? What, what's going on there? And, and what, what are the, what's, what's the Soviet approach to this? And why are the Soviets so, so kind of weird about it all? So initially, this is part of the, um, the sort of rivalry and suspicion which is going on between the Soviet intelligence services, which is why they're taken to a Soviet HQ in Magdeburg. I believe it's a Smirsch headquarters initially, uh, where he's taken from, from Berlin. And um, basically, Stalin he looks at the evidence, well, we assume he looks at the evidence which, which Smirsch has gathered because it's sent to Moscow. And um, he's not happy with it. And he says, um, I want another investigation into Hitler's death, which takes place in 1946. Um, but this time it's going to be headed by the NKVD, which is another Soviet intelligence service, who are sort of rivals with Smirsch. And so they say, we've got orders from Moscow. Can you release Hitler's body to us for a second analysis? And Smirsch say no. Incredibly, Smirsch just don't release the body. That's just amazing. It is, yeah. They, they, they don't release the body for a second analysis. And, and the way I've interpreted this is that um, the, the auto, they're embarrassed about the autopsy because the autopsy has several um, scientific inconsistencies in it which aren't noted just by me, by historians. They're noticed by um, forensic scientists as well who've looked at it. So the way that they go about analysing the Goebbels' corpses is not the same way that they go about analysing um, Adolf and Ava's corpses. For example, they don't um, test... Uh, the, the organs for cyanide poisoning in the same way that they do with the Goebbels corpses, but they, yet they still conclude that um, Hitler and Eva had died by po- cyanide poisoning. And this is a really strange sort of inconsistency, and now there's been several explanations for it. that The Soviets say that it was because um, the autopsy was, was trying to uh, identify the corpses rather than establish a cause of death, although I, I don't see why that would preclude... Um, sort of toxicological analysis. Um, so I, I suggested it could have been because the, the autopsy was actually taking place on VE Day, so there could have been a celebratory atmosphere, which could have inspired mistakes, um, which, which you can understand. And the second part is it could have been influenced by political considerations. Um, you know, the, these, the people that are doing this autopsy, they know that, you know, the higher-ups in, in Stalin's Russia are going to see this. And what does Stalin want? Does he want Hitler to have died like a dog, like his actual dog, Blondie, with poison? Or does he want him to have shot himself like Hitler wanted to to have been seen to have to have shot himself so perhaps they, they, they were they, they were a little dishonest with, with the way that they, they, they um, understood the autopsy the, 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 and, I, and I go into all this in the book and the reason behind this sort of reasoning in the book um, but it, it, none of this changes the fact that they got Hitler's um, jaw and teeth, which is the crucial, which is the crucial thing. They got all that was left of Hitler. You know, they might have analysed it in a dodgy way initially, and the, the investigations may not have been undertaken uh, very well at first. But again, this is this is this is now this is Soviet uh, Russia in the Cold War. You know, the, these these are these events are are engulfed in Cold War politics. Um, quite quickly so but 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 why but why magdeburg why not a wood a forest somewhere north of berlin and why why take them close you know magdeburg is west is due west yeah. of berlin you know about i think about 70 miles due west of berlin it's, it's obviously on the edge of what becomes um uh west germany east german border mm. 
is on the River Elba, of course. You know, so that is the, that is the demarcation line. But why kind of bury them under the noses of the West when you could just... Oh, there's just so many options for them. I just, I've just never understood the kind of... Why, why a parking lot in Magdeburg? I, 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 as I say, I suspect it was, it was the reasoning behind it from what I can deduce from the documents because, obviously, the, uh, they, they don't say... I haven't found, you know, this is why they're, they're in sort of Magdeburg. I, I suspect it's part of Smirsch trying to keep the remains away from the NKVD, and also that later on into the Cold War, when they're initially, you know, burnt in, in 1970 and, and, and scattered, is they don't want a, a shrine for neo-Nazis to be able to visit, which is um, obviously understandable logic there. But I do think it's it, the politics of the, the intelligence service. I would be interested to see if there is a document which, you know, explains this is why they're, they're sort of buried here. But, yeah, they, they were kept um, in, in the car park was, um, was to do with the intelligence services not wanting to... Um, not wanting to share their evidence with their rival sort of Russians, perhaps out of embarrassment, like like I sort of deduced. And of course, there is there is historical precedence for burying kind of you know leaders in in car parks, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richard the Third. Um, what? So what? So the NK, NKVD? Do they yeah. do they do they do do they get their hands on no, the body? No, they don't, the they don't get their hands right, on, so... on the on the smash remains. Um, what they do do oh. is they they discover this um, amazing this skull fragment in the. Uh, uh, which turns out to be female, um, but they do actually do something useful, which is they test the blood on Hitler's sofa, um, which is still there. You know, it's in 1946 we're talking about, so this is like a, a year later of his actual suicide. Which again, it lets you know just how sort of botched these initial Soviet investigations were. That you have sort of crucial evidence like this. It's only being analysed in 46. Um, and it turns out it's Hitler's blood group. Um, so that, again, it's, it's more forensic evidence which historians could use to say, you know, not only is Hitler's sofa splattered with blood in the exact place that Arthur Axman said he saw his body slumped over the armrest, it's Hitler's blood group as well. So this, so this double, which sort of conspiracy theorists allege that, that Hitler had, he would have to have been a vegetarian uh, with the exact same number of natural teeth left as Adolf Hitler when, it, when the false bridge was sort of shoved into his mouth. And he would have had to have had Hitler's blood group yeah. as well. Yeah, but, you know, they're devilishly organised, those Nazis. That's, I mean, the, 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 it's, the, just, it's just such nonsense, the, isn't it? Though? I mean, the stuff you'd have to have thought of to fake this. It's, always that, it's like yeah, the, the idea that, you know, that the moon landing is more difficult to fake than to, to just go ahead and do it's sort of <laughs> yes. it's funny you should mention the um the the nat how organized the nazis are because when you argue with sort of conspiracy theorists or their fans about this they'll say they'll say two things first they'll say history is written by the victors and you'll go well, no it's not you know i've read the interrogations of the nazis who say you know this is what hitler was doing in the bunker i saw him dead with my own eyes you know i saw his body carried out i saw it burn you know he was my boss you know he's the fuhrer i, I worked with him for years and here he is there and then, and then if you once that argument's out of the way they'll say ah but these people were nazis it's like, well, who else is better to have evidence of the, the, the leader of Nazi Germany's suicide than Nazis? You know, who's going to be around them? You know, well, yeah, that, that is the other thing. That is a that's a really good point, because if you were a Nazi, you were already a Nazi and you go, ha, you what you want to say is, and you know what? He fucking escaped <laughs> right under your nose. Yeah, he got you away. Bunch of, <laughs> bunch of losers. <laughs> In 2004, Luke, I um on on the uh, 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 Road to Berlin program. I mean, I interviewed oh, right, um, yeah. Rockus Meesh at the scene of the Führer bunker, right? And um and there's a there's a long boring anecdote. Um, I'll tell you one day about about our day because we had a very odd day there. He he famously, you know, when they were building the the the, the memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe in Berlin, he said, "Oh, we need a plaque here up to the Goebbels children because they're victims too." And you kind of think, mate. Mate, shut up! Right, when you get to the, that that simple. But he stood there um, at the scene of the, you know, when it when it was 
um, when it was really still very grubby um, around there, he stood there at the scene of where the Fuhrer bunker was and said, and here, and clapped his hands together and said, and here, here the Third Reich ended. As I saw the flames on the bodies rise up, here the Third Reich ended. And he gave out a great big sigh because he was still really, really upset about it yeah. in 2004. And this is the thing. This is the thing. He, he, he You know, the, the, these people believed in Hitler. And, and right at the start of this, you talked about it's a momentous moment because the spell ends, the spell breaks. And after all, that is what happens in Germany. Everyone's released from their oath. So the armies stop fighting. Um, uh an awful lot of Germans kind of go, oh, gosh, well... Um, I've been in well, a chance for 12 years. I've now been I'm in okay. a chance for 12 years. And if he can, if, he, if, if he's gone, we are no longer led by him. We're free of him in a way. And, and this guy, Misch, was not free of it's, Hitler in 2004. Very much not. He was still in his thrall, you know. It's, it's interesting because I, I sort of... Um, I always feel sorry for the Goebbels children because, of course, they were murdered by their own parents. And I can't think of anything worse than that. You know, little children that weren't given the opportunity to, to live in the world without Hitler, which is exactly what Magda Goebbels wanted to, to happen, you know. Um, because I would love it if they would have been able to grow up and that they obviously would have been anti-Nazi if they had any brains about them, which I, I, I suspect they would have done if, they, if they'd grown up in in post-war Germany. Um, but it's interesting that Mish seems to make, as you, as from, from your own observations, we've been talking to him, that he, he doesn't link the fact that of their sort of murders to his own bosses and his own, like, the ideology which informed that murder. Yeah. Oh, so they're, vic- they're victims like all of Germany. And you're like, no, thanks. They were literally murdered by, by Magda Goebbels because she didn't yeah. want them to live in a world without Hitler. Yeah, you know, yeah, not yeah. without Hitler's double, but without Adolf Hitler. That's why, that's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the stra- it's the it. I mean, it is fascinating, though, isn't it? Because because th- in a way, though, the people who want him, the want him to have survived. Why do they want? Why do they want him to have survived? What is the what is the thing they get? But why does anyone follow a conspiracy theory? I mean, why? 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 Why, why do? Why do you? You know. Whatever the conspiracy theory is, I mean, it's just all nonsense, isn't it? Well, David Baddiel says it's an idiot's way of making themselves feel like an intellectual. Yes, it's a good line. That's definitely that. That's definitely one motivation: is that they they get this sort of quick, um, false sense of superior knowledge over experts. So without having to do much sort of research, that I know better than you, because I have these sort of super facts which which are sort of trumping your narrative. Um, So that's definitely. One of the reasons, but there are all sorts of motivations which we could talk about. I don't, I don't think we have time to talk about them all. But if, if you want to look into the sort of, there's the silly side of it, which I guess that's that's more part of the silly side of it. But then there's the sinister side as well. So it's up to you guys. We, we talk well, about, I also I also I, want I to talk about that. Martin Borman because I think that's also very interesting. That that you know, uh, and uh, and I've had this argument with so many people about this. They said, "Well, no, but you know, he, no, he he definitely got away, you know, because as you know, when they found his skull, they found that there was actually clay which could only come from Brazil." And you sort of go, "No, it isn't," and that's just that's just absolute rubbish. I mean, you know, so so what happens is is, is he's, he is last seen prostrate and dead by some by someone on the second of May yeah. at the lead station. Yeah. When they that's then it, dig yeah. up a body in 1970 or whatever year it was, or 72 or whatever year it was. They follow this eyewitness and they say, well, I definitely saw Martin Borman dead there. And they dig up a body in exactly the same place. And do you know what? They then do a DNA test on it quite recently. And it is 99.9, you know, as as pure a a kind of match as you could ever hope to match. It is. 
And yet the conspiracy theories still yeah. say that there's clay on the skull. So what are you saying? That, that actually he went to Argentina, Argentina, South America. He then died. Then they brought his body back and then they buried him. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah. Reburied him at the Lerta station. I mean, that, that's just absurd I mean, on, on every single level. And it is. And it is. It's a good point that you make as well um, about the DNA tests not being enough. Because, you know, conspiracy theorists now are shouting about Hitler's remains. Go, we need DNA on the teeth. We need DNA on the teeth. They'll get the DNA on the teeth if we if we ever manage to sort of convince the Russian authorities that's a good thing to do. And then they could even say, ah, but they brought it there from Argentina afterwards. You know, So you can sort of predict where that one's going to go. <laughs> yeah. The the Bormann the Bormann story is is actually really fascinating and and um it's a good it's a good methodology to look at what actually happened to the Nazis who did escape from the Führer bunker and this is this is why I dedicate a chapter to it in the book as well because yeah. a lot of the the conspiracy theorists they say you know if if Hitler escaped he had to have help and and the person that the key person that they say helped him is 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 Martin Bormann the other one is is Heinrich Müller the, the head of the Gestapo. And his sort of case is interesting as well because historians can't state with certainty what happened to him because we've never sort of conclusively find, found his remains. But as you rightly point out, James, you know, we, we got Bormann's remains and it was um, they, they were in the place where Arthur Axman, it was the head of the Hitler Youth, last saw them. Um, so that, that you know, is that's case closed, isn't it? You know, it's how much more... If you find a body where someone says they saw it, and then you then subsequently do a DNA match, and the match is as close to DNA match as you could ever possibly hope to find. It's him. Mm. I mean, you know, one of yeah. the interesting things is, is there are much more sightings of, of Martin, in inverted commas, of, of, of Martin Bowman in South America. Um, and, you know, people who knew someone called Martin Bowman, it's like, well, you know, Martin Bowman is, is an entirely uncommon name in Germany. And secondly, the other thing about Martin Bowman is, is that, that although he, he was sort of de facto day-to-day leader of the Reich for the last, certainly the last sort of 18 months, really. I mean, he he was pulling the strings uh, on, on sort of day-to-day running of, 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 the Nazi, of the Nazi state. He was actually not very well known because he wasn't, he wasn't a public figure. You know, so actually there's very few photographs of Martin Bormann. There were very few photographs of, 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 of that were published publicly during the 12 years of the Third Reich. So there weren't that many people who knew him anyway. I mean, he's not really identifiable in the same way that sort of, you know, Goebbels, Hitler, Goering, Himmler were. You know, just because someone turns up in South America and says he's Martin Bormann doesn't mean he is the Martin Bormann. He, you know, he could be a Martin Bormann or he could just be someone pretending to be Martin Bormann. But it doesn't add any credibility to the claim whatsoever. Yeah, and the fact that he wasn't very well known explains why his remains were just sort of left where they, where they were last seen for all those years because the people that sort of buried the remains, they didn't know it was Martin Bormann. You know, they, they, no. that's why they left him there. Um, so, yeah, and a, a sort of fascinating thing from the sort of military side of things about that, that sort of story of the escape from the bunker is um, at, the, at the bridge at the end of Friedrichstrasse, the, the Weidendammer Bridge, uh, where they all try and cross. So you've got Martin Bormann, uh, Axman, uh, Kempke, yeah. Hitler's chauffeur, uh, Werner Naumann, um, the United States Secretary, mm-hmm. Goebbels, uh, propaganda minister, and, and they all get behind this tank um, and now I haven't really been able to determine which sort of tank it is. I think Anti Beaver says it is a Tiger tank, but then you, you'll know more about the military side. I think of it. it's, I, I've sort of put in the book. I think it might have been another tank, but anyway, it's a sort of it's an amazing image. Yeah, there would have been sort of... a Mark IV. Everyone knows that Tiger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so. Um... You imagine Berlin in flames, and they sort of all get behind this tank, and then they're attacked by a, 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 a sort of a Panzer force that you know the, those bazooka things are out out the window, and it sends uh, Bormann and, and Naumann flying uh, off the side of the tank, and Kempke sees them 
uh, go flying. And, and then he tells uh, British intelligence after the war that he doesn't think Borman could have survived um, this blast. Um, but of course, uh, they both recover and, and then Borman continues trying to escape with Axman. And these sort of contested accounts is, is what uh, led to some of the confusion in the intelligence services because... Um, you know, they only really had Axman's testimony to say that Borman was dead. So for many years, they they were almost completely certain that he was dead after they investigated a lot of the rumours that, you know, and they turned out to be daft or, or untrue. Um, but the fact that they wouldn't conclude 100% shows you that they would have done the same with Hitler if the evidence wasn't strong enough, but the evidence was so strong with Hitler's death that, you know, that they, they concluded that he had died. So, this again, there's no cover-up. Um, you know, Martin Bormann is getting blown up by a tank in his attempt to escape from, from Berlin. Um, and you can still go and see that, that bridge in Berlin today. It's it's really fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea of, of, the, of a sort of queue of Nazi brass trying to... I mean, where on earth were they yeah. going to get go through berlin yeah. is the is the is the the thing again i mean uh, even if you get out of the, the, the where where the center of berlin where they where they're caught between two soviet armies where do you go and all that sort of thing i mean it, uh, in in lots of ways though i think this raises questions i think a lot about history itself that the fact that an idea like this has sort of got its boots on and got around the world quite quickly it's a popular kind of idea doesn't it and about how yeah. we how people look at history and um, the way history has to be able to talk to people outside the world of history, doesn't it? Because the fact that you've had to write, you feel compelled to write a book going, no, for Christ's sake, Hitler killed himself. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the, the, you know, uh, it's, it's quite telling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the fact that I had to write a case against conspiracy, and I was really glad to sort of be able to give it that that subtitle, the case against conspiracy, because that's what it is. And and um, I have a lot of people say to me now, oh, you you have, um, I mean, some some chaps just recently just said to me today, you know, you have a disdain for conspiracy theorists, so I don't really want to read your book because you're not being objective. That's not the case at all. You know, the first book I read about <laughs> the last that's days of absurd. Hitler. Well, the, the the first book I read about the last days of Hitler was actually Grey Wolf. You know, Jared Will. William's book, The Conspiracy Theory, and that's that's what sort of inspired me to, to sort of look into it, because I saw him on the telly. So I approached it with an open mind at first. The reason that I have these opinions now is because I looked at all the evidence. I looked at the evidence which conspiracy theorists said that they had to claim that Hitler escaped. I looked at the evidence which, you know, the historians, the scientists say that they had that Hitler died, and the evidence overwhelmingly proves that his death, that he made Gerald does believe it. Is he, a fact he, of history. Yeah. Gerald does... It does believe it. I mean, he really, really, genuinely does believe he's it. He's badly mistaken, and 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 if I must say, he's a bad researcher as well, because he, he's, you know, he he says on Sky News, you know, why did they appoint Trevor Roper to lead the Hitler investigations? Well, go to the National Archives in Kew. You can see the letters which led to Trevor Roper's appointment. You know, he he knew uh, the Nazi personalities that were that were involved in Hitler's last days. He had the closest tabs on the matter, as they put it in the letters. He was the obvious choice. He was he was an expert in British intelligence on the Nazis that's why he led um, the Hitler investigations and a brilliantly um, brilliantly clever man I mean uh, yeah. Hitler diaries aside of course which is the, the, the yeah. you know the, the next thing you'd jump to if you were trying to um, disabuse people of the notion that Trevor Rope was a clever man a brilliantly clever man a fantastically clever agent at the time and uh, yeah. uh, you know uh, uh, anyway yes it is yes 
the, but the but the thing is though is they'd rather have people on sky news wouldn't they saying this than than yeah. someone going well actually if you look at the if you look at the if you go to if, if you go to q and you look at them it's all obvious you know what i mean it's it's sort of yeah it's sexier isn't it that's the first thing that rung alarm bells to me about his theory is that he doesn't cite the files from from Q. There's a, there's a, I think it's about four or five. I haven't counted them for many years, but there's several volumes that say whereabouts of Adolf Hitler, and they're all post-war sort of intelligence files. If you're going to write a book about if Hitler possibly escaped, I would have thought the first files you'd look at are whereabouts of Adolf Hitler, British intelligence, National Archives, Q. You know, um, the, the fact they, they so it just rings alarm bells. It is very, as James said at the start. You know, it's very selective the, the method is selective and you know that as I, as I explained to my students um, earlier earlier this year you know it's almost as if they take these the FBI files they love the FBI files you know these 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 rumors of, of Hitler escaping all over the place but it's almost as if they open these files and um, in them you know you've got you say, imagine a dartboard and on the dartboard around the bullseye, is, 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 if, if the sort of file is the dartboard, you've got Hitler escaped to New York, he escaped to Washington DC, he escaped to Ireland, he escaped to Tokyo, but the bullseye is Argentina. And they just stand there, the conspiracy theorists, and they keep throwing the dart at the bullseye, ignoring all the files around it in the same folder, which is the context. The fact that the people that are spreading the rumours about him escaping to Argentina have, this, have very similar motives to those that are saying that he was in a cafe in Virginia or in America. It's, you know, it's... It's the selection, you know, the cherry picking. Isn't there, it, it, there's some quite droll stuff in the archive, isn't there? People going, Hitler should open a travel agency or stuff, isn't there? That, um, <laughs> it's incredibly well travelled. Coffee shop in Amsterdam was actually one of them. It's actually in the files, I think, the American <laughs> intelligence. Yeah, I just, um, it, it, it's funny because I, I, in the case of Martin Borman, uh, definitely, you know, MI5 and MI6, they start making jokes about these rumours because they get that ridiculous, you know. There's a, there's a secretary in, in, in MI5 and she says, you know, Borman's been spotted in his latest location riding the Loch Ness Monster on the back, you know. Um, it, it does get quite funny, you know, so, some of the, the rumours. Um, but it just shows you, you know, that... Um, the intelligence service, they looked into them and then they, they formed their conclusions in the end because a lot of them turned out to be um, to be nothing. But the, the Borman case, which I, I discuss in the book, you know, that really drags up. You know, you get some some actually, you know, quite uh, sinister Nazis who are spreading this rumour about Martin Borman for their own reasons. You know, there's a there's a neo-Nazi newspaper in Germany that's spreading the idea that, that Borman is, is sort of alive and, you know, it's, it's trying to keep the flame alive almost. And that becomes a less common motive but it is there and there is evidence of that taking place which explains again why they keep investigating the rumours. I've got to say though I, d- I did come across some extraordinary stuff though when we were sort of careering around I mean quite apart from sort of bunkers in Denmark I mean the Kaltenbrunner story was was just amazing by just a sort of again how kind of bonkers it was you know I mean he got rumbled by his mistress he kind of took to the Alps he went off and sort of hid out in a hut in 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 the uh, sort of mountain hut, uh, you know, there was a sort of nowhere for him to go. I mean, it was just really badly thought through. He hadn't planned it properly at all. But then there were all sorts of other weird stuff, sort of safe houses in Tangiers and all sorts of stuff, you know, where where Nazis definitely did go to. And there was Leon de Grell kind of crash landing his Heinkel or or was it a Messerschmitt? I can't remember. I think it was a Heinkel one eleven in the sea just off uh, San Sebastian and. All sorts of stuff. And of course, you know, 
lots of lots of Nazis did escape, but Martin Bormann and Hitler weren't two of them. Well, but, and, and surely the more high profile you are, the harder it is to do. And and uh, you know it, that's why I always, that's why I mean I mentioned Himmler earlier. You think if you're very well known and very recognisable, it's going to be much more difficult. And if you're Bormann, you can't go up to someone and say, "I'm Martin Bormann. Take me to." Take me to Spain immediately, um, because people are going. Yeah, I've never heard of you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, um, this has been absolutely fascinating, Luke, and um, thank you so much for um, joining us. I'm, I expect what's going to happen when this goes when this goes out is we'll have a torrent of people on social media going. Yeah, but what a bit, um, uh, you know, whatever their version. And that, that of, bullshitter. There was that bloke who just had Munchausen syndrome, didn't he? Who just yeah. bullshit and said he picked him up and took yeah. him. Yeah, I don't know, anyway, anyway, but but um, enough but, of that. But thanks again. I, I just want to I just want to quote one little bit from your book, which is from an intelligence report that says, "I believe this to be sheer poppycock. The plastic operation which changed Hitler's appearance was probably carried out with a service revolver in the Führer bunker." There we go. And if you're yeah. if you're a conspiracy theory, the probably's doing all the work there. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, Luke. Yeah, uh, thank, thank you, Luke. That was great. Thank you. See you soon, everybody. Cheerio. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.